Okay, howdy everybody. This is the five minute crypto update for Tuesday, May 23rd. For today's update, I actually wanted to do something a little bit different. Tur Demeester, he is an early OG Bitcoin investor, crypto investor, he got a big following on Twitter, and he runs Adamant Research. He just published a report called How to Position for a Bitcoin Boom. And it's so good that I, I essentially just wanted to do a deep dive and call out some of the most interesting highlights from it. It's a PDF. It's free to download if you fill in your, your contact information. And I'll also provide the link in the show notes. Uh, so today, I just wanted to kind of deep dive on that. And in the next episode, we'll go back to our usual five-minute crypto programming. Okay, cool. So um, I, I really admired Tur. I mean, he was he's one of the early thought leaders for Bitcoin and crypto. He used to be more of a supporter of Ethereum and altcoins, but it's pretty clear from this report that his focus now is back to exclusively Bitcoin and Bitcoin-related startups. So I do disagree with him on that stance, but I only have admiration and respect for his ability to just think pragmatically, holistically, and look at the whole space. And, and he's really been very prescient. He's released several reports in the past that have generally been during what you might call bear markets, sideways markets, and he's generally been proven right. So just wanted to highlight some interesting bits. First, to quote, he says, during this accumulation phase, we expect for Bitcoin to trade in a range of 22,000 to 42,000 until a new multi-year bull market pushes it well north of 120,000. So he, he sets the stage for the current context we find ourselves in. To quote him, he says, Today is no different. We see extraordinarily strong fundamentals, robust and sustained technological progress, and an unparalleled level of conviction among longtime Bitcoin investors, all ready to fuel a global buying spree and sustained new adoption. And I, I really do feel the same way. I mean, if you look at the HODLer metrics, they're only growing. You look at Bitcoin usage and adoption numbers, they're growing even in a bear market. There is innovation in the form of BRC20s and ordinals. It's just a really exciting time and the price doesn't reflect it. But uh, like we said in the last update, investing is rarely comfortable. So then he makes a comparison to between investing in Bitcoin and investing in real estate. So he says, Investing in Bitcoin, we believe, is like having the ability to buy shares of a general internet ETF back in the early 1990s, or like being able to buy undeveloped land on Manhattan Island at the start of the Industrial Revolution. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. And that reminds me a little bit of, I think it was Hasib Qureshi, Dragonfly Capital, who first made the comparison between crypto and cities. And I do think that investing in crypto especially the scarcer blue chip assets is like investing in premium digital real estate, real estate for the metaverse. So he talks about a number of different catalysts and themes for Bitcoin. Probably the most interesting one that really stood out to me is his focus on the potential for Bitcoin nation state adoption, a la El Salvador. He also compares Bitcoin's current size to different global asset classes, trying to estimate where Bitcoin's market cap could potentially go. And just a few numbers that I thought were interesting uh, central bank reserves. So this is the amount of money that central banks around the world hold is about 27 trillion. So at current Bitcoin market cap, that's 50x more. And currency deposits worldwide, which is cash claims on banks, is 62 trillion. And this also reminds me, and Tur referenced this in the report as well, of Jesse Myers' essay, where he compared the size of various asset classes, and Jesse had an estimate of Bitcoin's full potential valuation to be $10 million per Bitcoin. And I'll also include that in the show notes. 
Next, Ter says, on a multi-year time frame, Bitcoin correlates with very few global macro phenomena. A consistent exception seems to be changes in the fiat money supply. Stimulus campaigns are positively correlated with Bitcoin bull markets. And there is a, a potential chance that the Fed may start cutting rates, may start turning on the money printer again, just in time for next year's Bitcoin halving. Okay, what else? Just a few more highlights to talk about the nation-state adoption theme. Tur says, and when I say Tur, I mean the Adamant Research Team, which is the research group that Tur leads and that put out this report. So I'm sure there's other people that really contributed to this. So they say, for Europe, Latin America, Africa, Asia, and Oceania, we believe the legal reality will vary greatly and we'll see a growing polarization emerge. Some countries will embrace Bitcoin whereas others will actively try to discourage citizens from using or holding it. In particular, Adamant mentions Turkey. To quote, Since the January 2021 international sanctions, cryptocurrency adoption has ramped up tremendously. We're hearing that 15 million people there use it daily. Other economies increasingly leaning on politically neutral Bitcoin are Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Ukraine, Iran, and even Dubai. And if you'll recall, we talked about how uh, there was a big story around Bhutan secretly mining Bitcoin and trading crypto, which came out in the Celsius and BlockFi bankruptcy filings. And I think Bhutan now is also partnering with some big mining companies in order to build, build more mines that are going to be state-backed, powered by their excess of hydro energy. Okay, just, just to end here, the last bit that he talks about is why he's lost interest in Ethereum and altcoins. And I think it's as, I, even though, as I mentioned, I disagree, I think it's valuable nonetheless to look at his perspective. Tur says, in the early 1990s, a fierce battle took place between two protocols, each of which had a different way of organizing online information. Most of us are not aware, but the outcome of this competition was a win or lose outcome. It influenced to this day our experience of browsing the internet. One of the two protocols was called Gopher, the other the World Wide Web. Gopher had a head start, but slowly lost ground because it was less censorship resistant, required more top-down oversight, and because it fell apart in many different forks. After several years of competing, the WWW started to dominate and Gopher completely fell by the wayside. Similarly, we expect less reliable crypto coins such as Ethereum, Ripple, and Cardano to ultimately lose the war and dwindle against Victor Bitcoin. And finally, just a killer quote that he includes in the report, something that investors, especially in crypto, should never forget. In investing, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. Okay, thanks for bearing with me here. Um, I think the report is great. You should read it in its entirety. I think he's calling the future, and I think it's going to play out pretty much like he says, although I do think that Ethereum and other altcoins can survive and prosper. So the links will be in the show notes. You can follow 2 Gens Pod on Twitter, and we'll also include an outro clip here as usual, which is kind of a mind-blowing bit for me from an Epicenter podcast interview with A16Z's crypto CTO. And it talks about how crypto enables software now to have more power over hardware. Okay, thanks. Have a good day. Blockchains invert the power relationship between software and hardware, where traditionally hardware has power over software because whomever controls the hardware can turn the, the software off or can change it into whatever they want. Whereas in crypto, on a blockchain, it's the reverse. The software actually has power over the hardware. The hardware is actually just provided 
as a commodity by various different participants who have an economic incentive to participate, but who do not have any kind of control over what the software does. And that's a very powerful shift that has never, that has never happened in the history of computer, computer science. Having a network and the software have power over the hardware, that's what's unique. That's what's different about blockchains. 